Good morning, God's wonderful people. Welcome again to another episode of Logos Zontanos, the podcast that's dedicated to expressing the life of the Word of God. Today is a beautiful day. Today is another day to give God thanks and to give Him glory, to bless His name. Today is another day that you have an opportunity to be everything that God has created you to be, to demonstrate the power of God in your life, to show forth His love and to show how wonderful our God is. Let's use every opportunity we have today to show forth God and to show forth how wonderful He is. Let's make sure that the next person we see, the next person we meet, experience the power, experience the love, experience the favor of God through us. Let us use every opportunity today to show forth and demonstrate our God that we serve. We continue our study today in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26 to 31. And in this study, we are studying this text because we want to find out what is the warrior's identity. And the warrior for us is an individual who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The warrior is man, a man who has experienced the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and has been restored to his original state. So we call man a warrior simply because... He is engaged in a warfare, and he's not engaged in this warfare because he wants this war or he starts this war. Someone is out to get him. Someone has designed a plan to destroy him. And as a result of that, he now has to take on the status of a warrior to preserve his life and the life of his loved ones. So man is a warrior because he has an enemy who is out to get him. Today, as we continue this study, we are looking at the three declarations God made concerning man. Of everything God made, he made one declaration. And when it comes to man, he made three. The only other entity that God made two declarations with is when he created the animals. But when he created man, he made three declarations concerning man. And these three declarations is God defining what, the man, what man is. Is God defining for us the warrior's identity. And so we are looking into these declarations to see what God declares that man is supposed to be. We have already analyzed and studied the first declaration. We are now looking at the second declaration. And we have identified there are five parts to this declaration. We have just completed looking at the first part of this declaration, which is be fruitful. And now we are going to look at the second part of this declaration, and that is and multiply. And so we turn our attention now to analyze the second part of our second declaration. We want to understand what it means to multiply as it is used here. To gain this understanding, we will analyze the Hebrew word through the letters used to form the word. The Hebrew word used here is the word that is translated multiply. This word is rava, and it is spelled with a resh, a bait, and a hey, pronounced Rava. Now, as we analyze this word and analyze each letter in this word, 
we'll be able to then conclude what the word means and be able to apply this word to our life and to the warrior's identity. We have already analyzed all of these letters previously. One in the previous series, which is the bait, and two in this series, the resh and the hay. So the purpose of the format we are currently using in our analysis of the letters, we will be analyzing the bait and then do a recap of the other two letters before summing up, putting them back together to see what we have learned about Rava. Now, the reason why we're doing this, because when we analyzed the bait in the last series, there are some aspects of our analysis that we were not doing. Now that we have added these components to our analysis, we want to look, look again at the bait and add these components to the analysis of the bait. In that previous analysis, we, we didn't consider looking through the chapter of the Psalm, Psalm 119, to look at what that says and what it contributes to our understanding of the bait. And we were not looking at the connections the bait have with other letters and, 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 and other words as well, through its gematria form or even its position in the Aleph bait. And so I want to take a look at those elements to kind of broaden our understanding of the bait. So let's look at the bait and let's try to understand what it is. The reason we're doing this is because of the format we're now using, like I said. First of all, we want to look at the pictogram of the bait. Then we look at the form. Then we look at the initiation. Then we look at the gematria. And then we look at some lessons that we learned from it. So what's the pictogram of the bait? The pictogram for the bait is a house or a tent. A house or a tent. Now a house is used to speak of our body. Man's body is called a house or his tent. It is used also to refer to a man's posterity. His children, his descendants or his family. They are called his household. So a man's son is his house. So the son or the child of this man, the son of a man is referred to as his house because that's the person or that's the, the individual who will continue his posterity, who is referred to as his posterity. So the bait is a house, a body or a household or a family. The house is also the dwelling place of the family, the place where the family is held together and protected. This is where the family have as a common ground where they would come together, where they'll find protection, where they'll, where they'll find sustenance, where they'll find you know, a place where they can refer to as our place. Now let's look at the form of the bait. The letter bait is formed from a vav and a resh. The vav and the resh. Now the vav means to connect. It is the, it is the connection between man and God. It is said that the Vav is the Yud that stretched down to touch the baseline. So it represents God reaching down to connect with man. The Resh, on the other hand, is a man's head. It means a person, what is highest, most important, and what is chief. It is also used to mean a poor person, one that is destitute of God, which means that he's in the poorest quality, the poorest state. So that's the Resh. Now, the form of this letter bait is, uh, is the vav laid down horizontally with the resh on top of it. That means that the foundation of the house is the connection between man and God. The same connection that sustains man's life is the same one that sustains the house. 
The word of God says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man is sustained by God. Man is sustained by his relationship with God and by him taking in and listening to and breathing in the word of God. This is how man is sustained. This is all the very same way that the house is sustained. The house is sustained by man's relationship and connection to God. This is the one relationship by which all our relationship, all other relationships are sustained. You see, if your relationship with God is not intact, if your relationship with God is in a mess, then it means that all other relationships are going to be affected. Our relationship with God is the basis of all other relationships. It is how we find Jesus reasoning with the disciples and also how his disciples or his apostles would have reasoned along this line just the same. Christ said to the multitude that was with him, How can you say that you love God and hate your brother? Because he understands that the basis of loving your brother is that love that you have for God. So if you say you love God, it's not possible that you're going to hate your brother. And he goes on to say, your brother who you see, you say you claim that you hate, but God who you cannot see, you claim that you love. And he said, that's not possible. So by that line of reasoning, you can see that he, he himself understands that the relationship with God is the basis of all of the relationship. And if you have that relationship with God, then other relationships are going to be intact. So the bait is that place where the head offers or gives security. That place where the head offers or gives stability. That place where the head offers or gives sustenance. The resh is the head. So the house is that place where the head gives security, gives stability, and gives sustenance. That's the base, the house. Now let's look at the initiation of the bait. The first place in the Torah where the bait is used to begin a root word is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The word used there is the word bara. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Bereshit bara Elohim et. Now here, we see the word of God declaring that God created. And the word that is used there, created, bara, it begins with a bait. Now, bara means make something that has not been in existence before. You are making or creating something that has not been in existence before. It also means to make or to form or to fashion something out of elements that exist. This is the case in Genesis 6 and verse 7 and also in Isaiah 65 verse 18. In Jeremiah 31, verse 22, in Isaiah 65, verse 18, it says, But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Jerusalem is created from elements that were already created. Next, it, it, this word also means to do, that is to bring about or to perform a task with an emphasis on the uniqueness of that event. This is the case in Exodus 34 verse 10, where it says, And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. In other words, he's saying, I, I do, I'm doing 
whatever is necessary to, 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 to create a covenant or to bring about a covenant or I'm performing the task of this covenant. So it says, and he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I'll do with thee. Here, the word is used in the context to mean do. It also means to cause something to happen. That's the case in Amos 4 and verse 13, where it says, For lo, he that formeth the mountains, and created the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thoughts, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high place of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. So here it, it is used in a causative uh, manner. So it means to cause something to happen. It also means, and, and, is, and is used to refer to God, the creator. It's a title that is used to refer to God. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, it says, Remember now the creator in the days of thy youth. There the word creator there is again that word bara. The letter that spells bara is Beit, Resh, and Aleph. Beit, Resh, and Aleph. Now, Beit is a house. We're just discovering that. Resh is the head. And Aleph, we already know, is God. So the house, head, God. What this is declaring to us, what Bara is declaring, is that the house whose head is God. The house whose head is God. So God is the head of the house. Bara is declaring that. So we understand that the house is the embodiment of God. In this, it also refers to Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God. Jesus is the embodiment of God. And so we know that it's also referring to him, Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God. The one for whom and by whom all things were created. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 17 tells us all of that. That it is by Christ all things were created and it is for him that all things were created. The word bara itself, my friend, says to us that Jesus is who he's talking about. This word itself says that, 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 that Jesus is the person he's referring to. The, the word bara is spells a bait and a resh. You see, bait, resh spells the word bar, which is son. And the Aleph we know is God. So Beit Resh, Aleph, is telling us Bar, God. It's saying that Son of God. That's a phrase it's declaring. The Son of God. The Son of God. That's what Bara is declaring. The Son of God. Here this word teaches us that the letter Beit means all that is material. All of creation. The house of God. But it also teaches us that the essence of the bait is Jesus Christ. In Christ dwells the fullness of God bodily. But the word also tells us that it is the Son of God. The Son of God is the house of God. Colossians 2 verse 9 says that for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Ephesians 1 22 to 23 it says and I have put all things under his feet and gave him 
to be the head over all things to the church, which is his, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Christ is the embodiment of God. The bait also, my friends, it is and refers to creation. Creation is the house of God. And here we see the word bara points to that. It means to create. So bara points and talks about creation. Creation, the things that God creates. All of creation. It is the house of God. Creation embodies God. In creation, God dwells in creation as we dwell in a house. God dwells in creation. That's why David says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show it is Andy works. Day unto day, they utter speech. Night unto night, they show it knowledge. Now, my friends, we have to understand that we here must be able to look at creation and see God. We must not make the mistake of thinking that creation is God. Because that's a total different scenario, my friends. One in where you will co be committing a breach against truth. Because creation is not God. Creation embodies God. When you look at creation, you will see the evidence and manifestation of the God you serve. That's what creation would show you. Let's look at the gematria for the letter bait. The numerical value of the bait is 2. The, numer the number 2 spiritual significance is it symbolizes difference and enmity. It also points to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The letter Beit spelled out gives the value of 412 because Beit is spelled out with Beit, Yud, and Tav. So the Beit is 2, the Yud is 10, and the Tav is 400. So the total value of the Beit spelled out is 412. 4 is the number of the world. It's called a world number. So it is used to refer to material completeness. That's the spiritual significance of four. It is material completeness. And so it's called the world number and especially also the city number. Twelve is a perfect number. It is, it, its significance is that it means perfection of government or of governmental perfection. It is found as a multiple in all that has to do with rule. Is this the reason why Christ chose 12 disciples? Is this why God chose 12 sons of Israel to be the princes of Israel? The princes of the nation? Very much so. Because 12 is the number of governmental perfection. This then teaches us, my friends, that the world is governed through the house. The bait numbers 412 because it is declaring to us that the host is where the world is governed from. That is where the world is governed from. So the world is governed through the house, through the family. If the house or the family is governed properly, the country or the world will be governed properly. The condition of the country or the condition of the world is a reflection of the condition of the household or the family. You fix the world by fixing the family. The issues of the family are the issues of the world. The issues we see on the world stage 
are the issues the families are facing. The world issues are just a magnification or a manifestation of the issues that are present in the house. The house is a basic construct of the governing of the world. You govern the world through the house, through the family. Let's look at some lessons that the bait teaches us. The letter bait we have learned is a house. The place where the family is secured, stabilized and sustained. We have also learned that it is all of creation and the house of God and the embodiment of God. So the bait is all of creation. It is a house of God and it's the embodiment of God. That's creation. Creation embodies God. Creation is a house of God. We also learn that it is a son of God by whom are all things and for whom are all things. So the bait also points to the son. The bait is also the word of God. The word of God embodies God. How do we get the word of God to be here declared in the bait? We'll, we'll see this when we look at more deeply into the gematria of this number. But we here will see that bait is also the word of God. It is God's word because God's word embodies God. And the, word, the letter bait speaks about embodiment. It speaks about that which contains that is why the bait is used in the Hebrew language to mean the in. So you add the bait to a word, you're adding the prefix in. So that is why the first in the first word of the of the Bible in Genesis, Bereshit, the word, the factual first word is Reshit, but the bait is there because it's a prefix which means in. So the bait is used as a prefix to mean in. So in beginning. That is what the first word of the Bible would have declared. So we see here that the bait is used to mean in because the, the, the bait is a house. It means to contain or a, a place that contains or you know embodies someone or something. We also learn, my friend, that the house is a basic construct of the society. The house is the basic construct of the society and the world. So if you don't pay attention to the family, and fix the issues of the family, you'll never fix the issues of the world. So this is how you, base, you, you basically fix the world issues, by fixing the family issues. This is the letter bait, my friends. We continue analysis in our next episode, when we look at additional features of the bait. To the men of Athens, Paul declared, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of the men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And have determined the times before appointed and the bones of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord, if aptly they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our poets have said, for we are also his offspring. 
This is why Paul also declare that your bodies are the temple of the living God because we are God's offspring. We are supposed to embody God. God is supposed to live in us. We are created for God to dwell in. It's a place, a body for God to operate in this realm. And so friends, the question for you is, are you being that to God? Are you being the house of God? Is your body the house of God? Let's make our body is ours. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Our prayer today, Lord, is that you make us your habitation. Our desire is to be your habitation, Father, a place for you to dwell, your secret place. And so, God, we pray and we desire that in everything we do, we'll do it, Lord, with an attitude and a passion to manifest you. So that God, you'll have a place to dwell and an instrument to use in this world. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, all my friends. And do remember that God loves you and I do too. Shalom.